up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner. My name is Mike Matosian. Today, I'm joined by our head women's volleyball coach, JP Dorn. JP, thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of go ahead and just dive right in. Um, so kind of give me your sports background growing up. Did you just play volleyball? How did you get started in volleyball? What was kind of the background in sports for you growing up? Yeah, I am one of the few who got to play lots of sports. Uh, it's back before specialization was really a thing because um, I'm old. Um, but I was a huge softball player. Um, that was kind of the, the sport I started probably around sixth, seventh grade. Um, I played a few years of soccer. I played, um, I was always throwing the football or baseball or something with my dad or brother playing basketball out in the back. Um, so I was always a, a big athlete and um, loved watching my brother play different things and stuff. So I didn't start volleyball. I was a rare case, but I didn't start volleyball until my freshman year of high school. And I went to a very small Christian school in Temecula, California at Linfield Christian and um, go Lions, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I played a couple years in high school and really loved that I could use my height for my sport. Um, big softball player along with that. Um, I played one year of basketball in high school, but I hated all the contact. Um, <laughs> like get off me. Um, and then I didn't start playing club volleyball until my junior year. One of my friends from another school was like, you need to play club. Like you have talent. And I'm like, what is What is this word you're saying? <laughs> Um, I grew up in the country. I didn't know anything. So, um, I started playing club my junior year and then right away started receiving looks for being recruited. I never made a, I never made a highlight video or tape or anything like that. And was being recruited by a lot of high end D ones and, um, yeah, signed by my junior and well, when did I sign? I guess it would have been like the end of my or middle of my senior year. So, yeah, so it was kind of a wild ride. Yeah. So we've had a conversation like this before, like when I first got here about like the difference between like specialization and generalization. Do you think there's any like, um, like, can you see like skills transferred over from softball into volleyball? Do you see like how like kind of direct lines of like the sports you've played before have kind of impacted kind of like your volleyball skills or maybe skills in others? Yeah, I just actually had this conversation yesterday with somebody because so much of our kids are being told to, they have to specialize, they have to play a club year round to be on even their high school teams. And so much of our sport, like everything we do, like softball was a huge factor into the strength, like strength of my serving arm, like just understanding mechanics of throwing and arm stuff, like, you know, I remember even coaching some men's players um, back in the Midwest and we had a few that had literally only ever played volleyball and they didn't know how to release a ball like a a baseball or a tennis ball. They didn't know how to throw and release it because that was a totally different mechanic. Um, And so, yeah, all of it, soccer, any kind of cross training that you're doing outside of your sport is going to be so beneficial to your other muscles and building other strengths um, and just being a well-rounded athlete. Like I'd much rather recruit a well-rounded athlete than, um, you know, this person that's only played the sport and has, you know, now they already have shoulder issues because that's all they've ever done. And 
it's, it's killing our youth in a lot of ways. So. Right. And I think the other, the other thing that you understand and I understand as well as the impact of like the older brother syndrome, because (laughs) my sister growing up as the youngest of, of four, uh, definitely got beat up and, uh, definitely had to, you know, learn the ropes the tough way. So I think there's also something to be said about being the younger sibling of, you know, older brothers that like to, you know, beat up on you and can be a little aggressive. It might be a little bit of a factor there. Well, older brother and friends too. Like you want to, you want to play with his friends. So it's like, you're out there at the ball and like, yeah, let's get rough and tumble if that's what we're going to do. So absolutely. So then next you go on, you go on to USC and you're a four year volleyball starter at middle blocker from 1998 to 2001. And you earned all pack 10 honors for all four years. And you earned NCAA all American honors in 2000. So did you kind of know at USC that like, Hey, like this is something I'm really good at. And I want to step into coaching or like, where did the idea of like, Hey, I really like this. And I want to step into coaching transition into. Oh my gosh. I wish people could see me back then. Um, no, I was the most naive person when it came to the fact that I was even being recruited by high end D ones. It was like, okay, what does that mean? You know? And, um, I always have this story. I tell people like Penn state had just won the, um, the championship the year before and they had called me and the person on the phone said Pennsylvania state. And I was like, who, where, like, I knew nothing. Like I was, I just played the sports that I loved. Like what, I didn't know anything about college. And so, and that wasn't as big of like, a. I mean, now it's like, you know, as soon as you enter the clubs, it's like, you're talking about like where you want to go to college. And so, um, yeah. So when I went to USC, like all of that was so new to me, but because I was so young in the sport, and new to the sport, like the teaching side of it, like I was a sponge, like I loved like any kind of technique training, any of that kind of stuff. I just absorbed, absorbed. My intention was never to go into coaching. My intention, <laughs> oh, you're going to learn, love this. Up. My intention was to work with primates in either a zoo setting or going overseas somewhere. So I was an anthropology major with a primatology emphasis and I loved great apes. So my roommate from college can attest to this her freshman year or my, our freshman year, she was a basketball player, Carmen. Hi. If you ever watch this, <laughs> um, she shows up and I have like pictures of like orangutans and gorillas and stuff on my wall. And she's just like, what? <laughs> so, um, my whole goal was to, yeah, to pursue like, uh, the Jane Goodall research center was at USC. So that was like my grad program idea and stuff. Well, then my junior year, I enter Chris Dorn, my, met my husband at, you know, not at the time, obviously, um, met this guy named Chris and he was already coaching and in that world. Um, and I had coached like a year of club, you know, for like a local club team, but that was never my intention until we had gotten married. Um, he was already in that line and it was like, well, obviously I know volleyball and, you know, I loved my college experience so much and how much I grew and matured and gained confidence and all those things. So it kind of like, it just made sense for me and being like loving the Lord and loving people. It was like, okay, how would I do that with monkeys somewhere in the forest? (laughs) You know? So it was kind of a logical, like, okay, I could see myself doing this. And then it just kind of took off from there. So 
Yeah. Awesome. So then your summer of 2000, when you, when you graduate or the summer of 2000, for sure, you start traveling with athletes in action to Sri Lanka, Indian, India, and Hong Kong. Can you tell me, kind of tell me like, what was uh, like the mission of athletes in action and then like how that experience was for you? I highly recommend for any, any college athlete to do a trip like that. Um, it was my first overseas trip. I went my, I think it was my first one was I think into my sophomore summer or something like that. So it was, you know, for a few weeks in the summer, um, we do this like intense week long training, um, that was out in Ohio with a team. So you're going with like a team of girls, um, from all over the country and they have, they have programs for any sport. Basically they even took a ultimate Frisbee team to like, um, (laughs) Afghanistan or something like insane. So, um, so they have teams that go all over and, we trained for a week and then they send us off and we went to my first trip with Sri Lanka and Hong Kong. And Oh my gosh, just the, the opportunity to a play other teams from other cultures. Uh, and then the whole intense goal of all of it was to form relationships and, and tell people about Jesus and things like that. So it was, it was phenomenal to learn. Like you think you're going to, I'm going to go change the world and really the world changes you and that culture changes you to then, when you come back home, then that's like, it spurs on even more. So, um, and those experiences and all that. So short-term ministry has always been a huge heart of mine and my husband's as well. And, um, he's gone on a few trips. I've gone on a few trips. Um, I, we went with one called uncharted waters that was to present to Brazil, um, in Sao Luis, Brazil. And, yeah, it's just so cool to be able to use your sport to further the gospel. And, you know, sport is an end to anybody, to kids, to adults, like everybody has a commonality with sport at some, some way, shape or form. And so, um, you know, especially cultures that, you know, like Brazil, soccer and volleyball are huge there with everybody. So it's such a cool opportunity to, to get outside of yourself in your own world, in your own perspectives, and then yeah, go to this other country and just be challenged and see how other countries worship Jesus. Um, and it was just, it was amazing. So highly recommend anyone who wants to go. <laughs> Do you have a favorite memory from your time over there or oh, any time during your travels? Um, Sri Lanka was probably the most impactful because it was the first country and it, it was such a um, intense place because they were still in civil war when we got there. Um, the Singles and the Tamarin were, were fighting. And so we had to like, we got in, in the evening and, you know, you're greeted by the country, you know, their national guards, they're all, um, carrying weapons and everything. And you're just kind of like, where we just come into and we couldn't travel. We had to stay in this person's house overnight and then leave very, very early in the morning to, for safety reasons. Um, and so all of that was just really intensified and, you know, you're with these girls that you've kind of known for a week who are just automatically your sisters because of what you're going through. Um, but the, I think the ultimate thing was seeing incredible doors open and conversations that you just don't get here. Like, um, oh my gosh, I had this dream about, you know, this person or, or this man named Jesus, like, what does that mean? And you're like, I know him. (laughs) I know Jesus. I can tell you, you know? And so it was just incredible, like how God just like opened these doors 
that people were craving to hear who Jesus was and hear truth. And, um, yeah, that was just that experience in general, like favorite moment, like, yeah, there's moments in there, but just that, that first stepping out, you know, you're smelling different smells. You're the driving was insane. Like you have black all over your face everywhere you drive because you know, the exhaust from cars (laughs) and you're just kind of like, what is happening? So, um, yeah, just that first, first country I ever stepped into. It was just really, really cool memory. So. Awesome. So now we'll kind of dive into, you met, you mentioned Chris a couple of times. So basically <laughs> there's been a story. So the story with you guys, or as, as I've understood <laughs> it, is that the age of 21, um, you were playing at the university or USC at the final four tournament that Chris was attending. And I yes. guess a mutual fund was insist, a mutual friend was insisting like, Hey, you guys got to meet, you guys got to meet. You guys are like, ah, like we don't really know about this, but, um, so Chris was quoted saying he was in the stands watching a match and USC came out in warmups to watch their opponent. And it was like, God slapped me upside the head. I never knew what she would look like, but once I saw her, it was like some kind of deja vu. I knew what she'd sound like, look like, smile like, and everything. So that story is just kind of like insanely cute. So can we kind of get your side of the things um, when it comes to like the, you know, meeting each other for the first time and then just yeah. kind of dive into this crazy adventure. It's a crazy story. Um, well, first of all, I was dating a guy, so there was no way, shape or form anything that I was thinking of. Um, my roommate in college, Amber was the one that introduced us technically And Chris and I maybe sent an email beforehand, like, yeah, I'll be there. If I see you after the game, cool. You know, there was no intentions there. And after the game, it was so weird. Cause you know, there's this like sea of all these like little middle schoolers and people wanting autographs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I see my parents and I see him standing there and I was like, you know, I knew his, I knew he was attractive because I saw some pictures and things like that. So, um, but I see him and it was so weird because I felt like I had known him forever. And in a lot of ways, you know, I knew a lot about him because of my roommate, like she had talked about him and, um, she did a athlete's action training in Colorado and he was there. So they had, were good friends. So I knew like his character, I knew like, you know, he's a big integrity guy. Like I knew a lot of those things about him already, which I think made me really comfortable. Um, so I went up and we hugged each other and he gave me a kiss on the cheek, which was like, Whoa, is this what you do from New? Cause he's from New York. So I was like, is this what you do there? I don't know. Um, and so, yeah. And so he had sent me an email when I got home. And so we just kind of started emailing back and forth well, hi, I still have a boyfriend. This is not my (laughs) finest hour, everyone. Um, We all have our issues, right? Um, So I still had a boyfriend and, but knowing for like six months prior, like I didn't ever see myself marry him. He's an amazing guy, Christian guy, played uh, football at USC and like, um, but I knew like we had kind of outgrown each other in a lot of ways. And so then I'm seeing all these qualities and characteristics in Chris. And as we continue to talk in the, <laughs> so the story goes, uh, a few weeks of this, we're like, continuing to email. Well, he calls me, my roommate finds out that he calls me and she, when I hang up with Chris, she calls him and chews him out because he's basically pursuing me when I have a boyfriend and she, you know, he didn't even know I had a boyfriend because I didn't tell him. (laughs) And so anyway, that all got worked out. My boyfriend and I wound up breaking up and um, Chris and I kind of spent a month apart and like not even talking 
to be like, what is happening? Because he came out of a three-year relationship and mine was two and a half. And, um, but it was, it was one of those things. It was never a question. It was like, as soon as we started dating, like I didn't, my ex-boyfriend, I didn't want to marry him for, I'm like, maybe in 10 years. Like, I don't know. Like I didn't see that happening. But then when I met Chris, it was like, so when are we getting married? Like, it was so bizarre. Like just how, um, it was such like a, and not all relationships are like this, but it was so just like, yeah, yeah. Like, it just makes sense. You're the one. Like, <laughs> so here we are 18 and a half years later. <laughs> That's awesome. So basically out of college, you and Chris began coaching together at a school in Alabama where Chris was the head coach and you served as the assistant, if I understand correctly. And yeah, you guys basically second. haven't. Yeah. So basically you guys haven't separated since, which is pretty amazing <laughs> given like the craziness of the coaching world and all that stuff. And for those that don't know, I think, I don't know if I've already mentioned, but Chris is currently the head coach of our beach volleyball program. Um, so just kind of, as you first started in your coaching journey, who were like some of like the biggest influences that you kind of like took from is like, maybe I really like that. Like I'm going to put some of that in there. Or how did you kind of like yeah. build together your coaching identity? Yeah, that's a great question. I, one of my most favorite people and who is no longer on this earth, his name was Scott Raftery. He was my softball coach through um, high school and also um, just an amazing influence on all the students there. And he had such a passion and love for coaching and then really just loving people well. Um, one of the biggest examples of loving people well. And so that was a lot of like, the character side I wanted to bring into coaching and then the actual skill development. I had three head coaches at USC, <laughs> which is insane for like a top program. It was, I had Lisa Love my freshman year. Then I had Jared Elliott, who's not Texas or has been at Texas for a long time. He was an interim uh, head coach for two years until Mick Haley got there from the national team my senior year. So I had learned a lot of different and really good things, um, through those four years, um, that worked really well. And because I was such a new athlete, um, I, like I said, I was a big sponge. Like I just soaked everything up. Um, and to see how technique played such a huge role in my own game. Um, and I, what I would do is I'd learn all of that. And then I would watch our men's team play because their movements were so much more exaggerated. They jumped higher, they took bigger swings and it really allowed me to see like, okay, my coach is saying this, oh, and now I'm seeing it. And, you know, and I, I remember watching some of my friends on the men's team who, uh, Bo, who was like a middle. And I remember being like, oh, that's what he means by get your arm up quick, you know? And so I would kind of bring those together. So a lot of my, my coaching is, you know, directly from those, techniques and training from my own experiences and some obviously I picked up along the way in seminars or like um whatever but coaching to me has always been very common sense it's like yeah you want the most efficient movement and to do the skill or the job well so um a lot of it is just made so much sense to me um you know it doesn't mean I'm a guru at it or the best in the country or anything by any means but um, I really, really love that technique side. So yeah, the combination of the technique and the knowledge with my old softball coach and how to connect with players. Um, and then also my husband too, just like seeing him play that role. Um, cause when we got there, he was an assistant that moved up to head coach. So seeing him kind of in those 
career choices he made, like how he did things well and how he, you know, made mistakes and being able to see that firsthand um, was really beneficial as well. So. Absolutely. So kind of continuing on, it seems like wherever you go, success seems to follow. So, I mean, at Clark University, you helped the women's team record a program best 31 win season. At Lindenwood University, you helped the women's volleyball team be the most improved team in the MIAA with a 10-game improvement in the win column, just to name a couple of examples. So first question is, do you have a favorite hole-in-the-wall travel meal spot during your time in Iowa, Alabama, or Missouri? Okay, so I was just telling Kristen this. Okay, (laughs) there is a place called, I think it's called Lambert's in Mm -hmm. Missouri. And our head coach at the time would take us uh, on our way. I forget which which match it was, but it was always on the way. And it was this family style restaurant and it was called the, the home of the throwed rolls. So basically you go into this, like, it's just this big old room and it's all these like benches and, and um, like booths and stuff. And there's people walking around with these like huge bowls of like mashed potatoes and um, all sorts of stuff. Like, and they, they walk around with these um, carts of like, cinnamon buns like this big like it's amazing Uh, and these are all sides that are added on to the meal you actually order Mm -hmm. so and then they're called home of the throat rolls because there's guys walking around with these like fresh baked giant amazing rolls and all you do no matter where you are you put your hand up and somebody in that room will throw a roll and it will go right like they do not miss it goes right into your hand like it's amazing so that was always a really fun you know, pit stop wherever we'd go. So. Wow. That's, that sounds amazing. Yeah, um, it was legit. <laughs> and then kind of what do you credit your ability to just kind of come in and make these like immediate impact on these programs um, that you've, that you've uh, spent your coaching journey in? Um, well, there's definitely been mistakes along the way, so it's not always glamorous. That's for sure. Um, I've learned a lot of hard lessons through it too, but honestly, just being who I am. Like I've never tried to be somebody that I'm not on the court or be a coach that I'm not like, I know who I am and I don't have anything to prove to anyone. And I think sometimes that's where some coaches and especially female coaches make that mistake is they think they need to be in this box or look a certain, not look, but like act or be a certain way. And, you know, for me, these athletes just need somebody real who, who they know is in your corner and can trust. Um, and I, you know, I've made mistakes and I've broken some trust before that I learned some major, major lessons before. And, you know, that was always something, especially going into head coaching role. Like I'm, I have learned a lot. Like I will never dishonor my athletes talking about them or how I talk about them. Um, even in the office with my assistant coaches, like, you know, I've known coaches and I've been that coach before where you just, you bag on athletes because you don't know how to motivate them correctly. So it's like, why, how come they just don't care? You know, and you're, you're basically just narrating this, this false sense. And that's where mistrust really happens between the athlete and the coach. And so, um, I have always like the, yeah, I've, the last 10 years have made that like very much of a, like, Hey, how we talk about our athletes is honoring. They, we know them as people, their motivations are not bad. 
it's, we have to get the most out of them and motivate them and inspire them in a way that's going to allow those qualities to come out. And if we're not doing that correctly, then that's on us. So, um, I mean, yes, there's, you know, obviously the athlete takes part of that too, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's a big culture, you know, for me, everything has been about the culture and the culture stems around who I am as a person and coach. And if I'm changing that, or if I'm not being real and trying to be this facade, like that's, that's not going to sustain, that's not going to last. So, um, yeah, the girls know who I am. I want them to know me off the court, which has been very difficult with COVID. (laughs) Um, but they need to know me as me, not, Oh, you're my coach. And that's the only role, like in, especially in college, like you're living, you basically live life. Like we see you more than your parents do, or pretty much, you know, besides maybe your friends and roommates, we see you all the time. And so we go through hard things and we go through fun things and, you know, all these things together. So, um, it's so important that those relationships are cultivated and made. And so they know, they're not making up some narrative about like, okay, if I get mad or yell or get on them for a certain thing, they know that it's out of love and it's, they know it's out of getting better, not because I'm trying to trash them or their character or something like that. Um, you know, which you hear stories about all the time of coaches who just destroy confidence through that kind of thing. So. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what kind of initially put Vanguard on the radar for you and Chris, because like you guys come as a package deal, like there's no doubt about that. (laughs) So what kind of puts you, what kind of put Vanguard on the radar for, for you? Which is scary to people that we do come as a package. And I I don't, I don't, yeah, I totally understand that because there are coaching couples who probably shouldn't ever coach together. Um, but we've always done a really good job at making that work. So, um, yeah. So Vanguard's a really cool story and very vulnerable story. Um, we, I'm just burying my soul to all y'all. Um, so, and it's not a hidden story. I, I share this, um, openly, but, um, we are going through some really dark days when we we're in Missouri. Um, we were, my dad had passed away. Our best friend had a massive heart attack who was 39 at the time. Um, he's now, alive and a walking miracle. Uh, no one can explain it, but, um, and then we we're going through the height of infertility. So we we're at that point about six, seven years, uh, trying to have a kid and not working and going through all those hoops and stuff. So we were just at a really bad place. And then Chris's program, we we're really struggling at Lindenwood and, you know, they kept cutting budget and things like that. And it was just kind of this, I got really jaded in my own prayer life and with God, cause it was like, so much has been happening. And it's like, I felt so, um, just forgotten, honestly. Um, God's not hearing our requests about, you know, having a kid, my dad just died. Everything seems to be going wrong. Not everything, but you know, a lot seemed to be going wrong and not feeling, excuse me, not feeling like the presence or God's voice anymore. So, I honestly was just like, yeah, I'm kind of done praying for a while. Like I don't, obviously it's not, God's not hearing me. So, um, we finally got to a point where Chris is just like, I, I want to move back to California, <laughs> which is funny. Cause I'm the California and I'm like, huh, what? And so I was like, I want to move back to California. Our best friend just had a heart attack and all we're doing is flying home 
all the time because that's where people seem to keep being and we need to be. And I was just terrified by that because I'm like, we don't have jobs. We don't, what are you thinking? And so he's just kind of like, we need to bring this before the Lord. And I'm like, we have brought everything before the Lord. Like, why would we do this? I don't want to get hurt. And so um, it was, yeah, it was a kind of that moment where I just like came before God again and just was like, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid. Um, but Chris was like specifically wanted to coach beach again and get into that. And, and I was like, I want to stay in coaching. I love coaching. It's been kind of a miserable time in some ways, but like to even have my own program at a niche school where it's like good volleyball. And like, I literally was like saying all the things about Vanguard. I had no idea I was saying. And so, um, so it was honestly, it was kind of like, okay. And we were talking with a friend out in Temecula and like possibly, you know, if we go the club route and do some directing there or whatever, like we didn't really know what that looked like. And so um, Chris's heart very much was in FCA. He had kind of a standing offer to um, come out and join the FCA volleyball crew out here in Orange County. So that was, we knew was a piece of it. And I knew that was from God because you have to fundraise your own um, salary for, for doing FCA ministry. So I'm like, well, now I know it's from God because this is nothing, neither one of us would have chosen. Um, and so we knew that was a piece of it. And then outside of that, it was like, I I don't even know. And three weeks, it was three weeks later, Chris gets a call from one of his old players who was here at Vanguard helping his sister works here. And then he was helping that basketball team and volleyball too. And, He's just like, Hey, um, so they're trying to start a beach program out here at Vanguard university. And we're like, well, we know Vanguard because, you know, we used to coach at Cal Baptist and back in the NAIA days, like, Oh yeah. Like we knew all those old NAIA schools. So, you know, we knew a lot about Vanguard's history and, and being Christ centered and all that. And so, um, it was, geez, out of that, um, three weeks, so Chris kind of engages that conversation with uh, Rhett Saladay and Jeff were kind of the, uh, in some ways, kind of co-ADs at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of began that conversation and was they brought him out and did all the interview stuff there. Um, but because it was kind of a startup program, it was like, well, this isn't going to be like, we're moving to Southern California, not exactly a cheap place, let alone like Costa Mesa area. So it was like, I don't know. And then three weeks after that, um, our buddy calls again and he's like, you won't believe this, but the indoor coach left. And, um, yeah, so (laughs) I was, and I'm like, wait, what? And that's always been my prayer is that Chris and I work at the same place because coaching, it demands a lot and there's a lot of time away. So the more we can be involved with each other's programs and that, his girls know me and my girls know him and, and those kinds of things. Like it just keeps everything like so much more symbiotic. And, um, so they already had said that they had somebody in mind for that job. And so I was like, Oh, well, dang it. That would have been cool. Well, that, uh, the one they had in mind, she wound up taking a job up North and, um, then all of a sudden I get a phone call (laughs) they're like, Hey, we saw your info and blah, blah, blah. So they did a phone interview, called me right after flew me out and offered me while I was here. And like, just walking around and just, 
I mean, I went to chapel for part of my interview and I'm like, seriously. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was such, a you know, and then they, they wound up offering Chris too while I was out here. So it was, it was just one of those moments where it was like, this couldn't be more God. And, um, and it has been the whole time. Like it has been a place of healing. It's been a place of, um, being ourselves and just getting to love people. It's been, you know, everything we hoped. And it's like, we don't, we don't need to be at a big school. We, we had those dreams for a while of D1, D2 to stay within those realms. But we're like, why? The rat race is so intense. It's so busy. There's no balance. Like, what's the point if we're not actually impacting the people around us? And so here we are. So it's kind of a long story. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, it's such a God thing there. Um, so uh, JP and her team have kicked off uh, year number four with them um, as you kind of continue into season number four here at Vanguard what is kind of like one of the biggest like lessons that you've learned or like things that you've taken away from you know you go through like such an amazing journey there and then now you're here and you're in it and you got Chris by your side so what are the kind of like the biggest like lessons you've learned or things you've taken away from the that whole story and just kind of continuing on in your journey as a lion yeah I think just the overall commitment and something that as soon as I got here was kind of like, this will always be God's team first. And that's something I very much stuck to with recruiting with like, I just very much try to listen to, you know, there's some, some girls that are here, not because I necessarily would have recruited them. Honestly, there's a few that like, they just needed to be here and I didn't know why. And every year I probably have like one position where I feel like it's like, okay, God, this, this is you. Cause I'm not sure what we even need. And it's amazing to see, um, the people God has brought to this program and to see them flourish and grow. Um, so for me, it's very much of like, it's God's team. I'm just trying to steward it well. And sometimes I do well and sometimes I don't, but, um, yeah, I think just the overall patience in like, you know, we always talk about on the team and even in our department, like being process oriented. And that's so true. Like, I don't look at success as the wins and losses. Like, you know, this year, especially in COVID, like, oh my gosh, there's, we have no idea what's going to happen day to day and it changes day to day. And, you know, we're building our future right now. And, you know, like the culture that we have produced just in these last few weeks alone has been just amazing. And it wouldn't be without God bringing these girls here and impressing like all of their stories are God really impressed it on my heart. I connected with these people and I just knew I needed to be here. And I, you know, that's like, all I can say is like, it's just, it's this environment. It doesn't mean you're like floating on cloud nine all the time. It just means that, you know, you have a great purpose here. And I love, I love coming to work. I love seeing my coworkers. I love seeing my team, like, because I know my purpose is really great here. So. Well, awesome. Well, we love seeing you too. Um, I want to mm -hmm. thank you for uh, choosing to, or spending some time with me and uh, yeah. going through on this podcast. Um, for those listening at home, um, make sure you check out all of our podcasts. We, uh, we keep them on Facebook, um, follow us along on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of our social media stuff or just more content like this conversations with our coaches, players, all that stuff. So, uh, 
once again, JP, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me. And uh, it's great to, great to talk to you as usual. Thanks, Michael.